0: Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds Podcast and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up Reds fans and welcome into the Locked On Reds Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's podcast. We are going to finish the interview. This is part two of the interview with myself and James Rapine. Part one was on Friday. Just in case you haven't seen it or haven't heard it already, check out Friday's episode of James and I beginning this conversation, and today we're finishing it. But before we jump in, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Check us out on Twitter at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And say the locked on red's line number into your phone 513-549-0159. Questions, comments, questions about anything. The red's off season, you know, what what my favorite color is. Uh, it's red, by the way. Not to spoil that one, but you know. Just all kind of good stuff on there. 513-549-0159. Now, here is the conclusion. Of the interview between myself and former host of the podcast and now Cleveland sports beat reporter, James Rapine. Tell me this: If the Reds win the World Series next year, do we care what the farm system looks like?
1: Correct, and I, I get what you're saying there, and you're absolutely right. Like, you know, like if if you're the Reds and you plan on going out and making a big free agency acquisition, whether it's a and we mentioned it before you hit record, but whether it's Anthony Rendon or whether it's um, any of those type of players, those high-end type of outfielders, then that's fine. But you're probably going to have to make another move or two. The Reds aren't just an outfielder away, right. right? You know, you get a full season of Bauer. So I love that. I love their, their rotation with Castillo, obviously, as well. Um, one through three, they're pretty solid there, right? You like the bullpen. Um, overall, I would say that that, that you like their bullpen. But can you add more to it? So to me, even if you go get Rendon, if I'm the Reds, I'm looking at making another move, i.e. Lindor, i.e. someone like that. And I'll give you a name. I'd be on the phone with Boston. I'd be on the phone with Boston, and I would just see. Because I I keep hearing, and I listen to the Bill Simmons podcast a lot, and he's obviously diehard Boston through and through. He's talked about multiple times how he doesn't think they're going to pay Mookie Betts. Mm -hmm. That would be my target. If I could somehow get Mookie Betts, that would be my guy. It wouldn't be – and I like Frankie. I think Mookie Betts is overall a better player, and I know he had a little bit of a down year last year. I, I would try to go get Mookie if I could if I'm the Reds. Now, we're crazy here. We're talking hypotheticals. But if it's if it's a Hunter Green-centered package to get one of those top stars in the game and the Reds obviously plan on going for it and winning in 2020, then uh, then you do it. Absolutely you do it, and, and you think about the future – Uh, As far as uh, prospects and things like that later, uh, because at some point you do got to go for it. You've been rebuilding now for six years, right? Last year felt like it was such a a solid year and you were under 500. At some point, they got to get over that hump. And and I think that their success that they had last year kind of sets them up for a uh, to make a run this year in 2020.
0: You mentioned Mookie Betts, and he's been a guy that I have seen his name getting bandied about a little bit. Where uh, let's let's do a little ranking with Mookie Betts, uh, Francisco Lindor, Anthony Rendon, and we'll even throw Yasmani Grandal in there. Obviously, talent wise, we understand where all of those four players kind of sit in ranking wise. But how would you rank them based on talent and fit for the Reds to go out and get, and also you know cost to get them?
1: Yeah, I mean that that's the tough part cuz you're talking about there was that report and who knows if it's actually true but it probably is true right that Anthony Rendon turned down a $300 million deal from the Nationals. Yeah. So is he worth 325? Is he worth 350? You know, are you do you as the Reds want to lock yourself into another contract like that right now with a player that hasn't even been in your organization? Like part of the reason why I like the Bauer deal is they really get to, to vet him, and it's not like they're just signing him after a couple meetings. They get they get him for half a year, and then they get him for this year, and they can really see, hey, we're going to go pay him, or we're going to extend him, or we can deal with his little intricacies of his game and the things that his flaws and the things that people don't really like and griped about in Cleveland. So to me, that's the tough part with a guy like Rendon is, are you really going to break the bank, and and you. Fans might be saying yes, but are you really going to break the bank for someone you're not familiar with when you could go after Betts, who I think is a better player, go after Lindor, who, again, I think is a better player. But we're splitting hairs here. All three are, are significant upgrades. But you could do that, but then you also have to give up prospects and high-end prospects and, and players that uh, you've kind of built your future around, the Hunter Greens, the potential Nick Senzels, et cetera. So what I would do – um, if I'm the reds, I, I would certainly be on the phone looking to make deals, but you have to do multiple moves. So it, it's, it's much easier. It, like I'm a big NBA fan and, and I love trades and I love it. Like a, a adding in free agency and all this stuff. Right. And one thing the Clippers did in the off season, they, they signed Kawhi Leonard, but the only way they could sign Kawhi Leonard is if they traded four first round picks and, a few other things, and a couple were unprotected for Paul George, and that's how they convinced Kawhi Leonard. So they basically traded all that for both, for the duo. If you're the Reds, maybe that's how you look at it. Hey, we're going to give up all of this capital to get Francisco Lindor, or we're going to give up all this capital to get Mookie Betts, but it's going to help us land one of these other top free agents, and suddenly we're going to transform from a an okay team, a borderline 500 team, to a legitimate contender in the national league central. So that's how I would view it. I think it needs to be more than one move, obviously in um, splash moves, if done the right way can work. I hate when in baseball. Oh, the splash move doesn't work. Bryce Harper doesn't work. Well, the Phillies were flawed still. And and I wouldn't have paid Bryce Harper that type of money, right. but I would invest in Lindor long-term. I would invest in Mookie Betts long-term. I would consider maybe not $350 million, signing uh, your Red Dome long-term. So that's uh, that's certainly something uh, that the Reds have had discussions about, I guarantee it, and, and will continue to do so. And I'm sure they'll be uh, landing meetings with multiple free agents this offseason.
0: Man, that is – and I have seen the, the argument, like talking about the Phillies shelling out for Bryce Harper as to why the Reds shouldn't shell out for somebody. But it's like the, the Phillies – didn't have the pitching staff that the Reds have. And I know that there's been complaints about the bullpen, people wondering about the bullpen next year, but I think part of the reason that the bullpen struggled in the second half is because it was used so much during the first half. And I know that the inning numbers on some of the guys weren't crazy, but the appearances, the number of times that they got up in the bullpen, the number of times that they were brought into the game early, really weighed on him because David Bell managed each game like it was Game Seven of the World Series from March 29th, and and he really, I think he learned that he can't do that next year, and he'll he'll understand that. But with that token, like if you go after you shell out to get these hitters, you're bringing them into a situation where they've already got the pitching, and they're ready to go with mm-hmm. that. And I I agree. I think man. <laughs> If you're telling me if, if we're sitting here on opening day and we've got a lineup that includes Mookie Betts and Anthony Rendon or some combination of those guys, oh, man, I might be buying playoff tickets. Yeah, and the the, the one concern, and this is
1: this is why I would be more likely to sign Lindor long-term or uh, Betts or anything, Rendon's 29. And you're talking about an infielder, second, third, Infielder is 29. Usually, we see those guys drop off in about three or four years. Right. You know, so Francisco endorsed 25 right now. So there is that too that you need to weigh. And and I I think that that's something the Reds, they have to get it right because if they don't and they just go spend money blindly and go pay, give Rendon a blank check, well, then in 2025, that could really hurt. Or 2024, that could really hurt. And it could become much worse than any Joey Votto deal that people say is, is weighing down the organization. It could be paying Brandon Phillips at 33 years old, 34 years old, 25, $30 million per or more than that, even. So he is great, but you got to be leery of the years. And I think that's something every baseball team should be leery about at this stage. I mean, these 10 year deals, I'm okay with paying a lot of money, 40 million per, right. But 10 years, Makes no sense to me. I, I, it just doesn't. And at some point, baseball needs to figure that out. Like the the Bryce Harper deal, he took less on average per year, but it's a thirteen year contract. What? Yeah. I, I, it's just insane to me. <laughs> I would much rather you pay pay your two hundred fifty million over the next six years for so your prime years than three hundred thirty million over your, your your next thirteen because you're going to suck for half of them and wear organization down. And even though it lightens the load over the next couple of years. The back end of that deal is going
0: to be painful right and that's something that we've talked about with joey vado it's like people are complaining that the the reds overpaid for him it's like no they didn't overpay for him it's just now is when the credit card bill comes due and they have to pay that off for the next four years when you look at a deal like that maybe that's a something that the front office says okay we're going to sign a guy whose average annual value contract is probably going to be greater than Joey Votto, but we're not going to be stuck with him for longer than we need him to be because if you sign a guy, Lindor, for a five-year deal and he starts to decline in year three and you recognize that, you can still trade him. It's not, well, all right, it's year three of a 10-year deal. Like Teams are going to see decline. That's why they can't trade Joey Votto is that they see the decline, but then they're like, well, we're trading for him. And we're still going to have him for four, five, six years. So we're not really going to deal that much for him. And I think I'm with you there. Like if, if they could tone it down with the years and just shell out the money because I'm of the mind, the teams have the money. The team's got the con- the TV contracts. They've got all that different stuff, money from the league coming in. They've got the money to do it. Just do it. And then, yeah. But but that's a, you know. We can go on for a while on the philosophy with that because we ourselves are not involved in the process with the front office. But I do want to transition just for a moment because Eugenio Suarez was named the best Venezuelan-born player of the year. He got the Luis Aparicio Award. Luis Aparicio was the only Venezuelan Hall of Famer right now. And with him getting the award over Ronald Acuna and guys like that, I kind of had this thought, and I know maybe you've got a different thought on this, but I think, as of right now, Suarez is the face of the Reds. Am I wrong in thinking that?
1: He's the best player,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I,
1: yeah, I, I'm with you. And by the way, that goes against the the whole "let's go get a uh, let's go get Rendon." And I know he can play second, but you got Suarez locked up long term. Heck, and that's the other thing. You call the Indians, they might say, "Give me Suarez," and obviously the Reds would say no to that. But that's—it's just one of the things there. But yeah, he's—I mean, forty-nine home runs. I was hoping it would to fifty. Just one um, way. I'm just—I'm amazed at how good he's become. Like, it's—it's it's insane to me. Like a couple of years ago, you, Henry Suarez, we wouldn't even consider him one of that. Like, oh, he's starting at third. You know, right. uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see from him and, and what he's blossomed into. And they signed him. At, that's the best move that Dick Williams and this Reds team has made. And they've made okay. some decent moves, by the way, through this rebuild—moves that I've liked. But by God, getting him in exchange for what was the uh, what was the pitcher's name?
0: <laughs> Alfredo Simon.
1: Alfredo Simon. That's what I thought. I thought it was Alfredo Simon. I'll get my trades backwards, backwards <laughs> yeah. there. But yeah, Alfredo Simon who ended up being on the Reds the very next year, and he was awful. And Alfredo's good, but the pitcher isn't. I would love some chicken Alfredo right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, uh, it's insane. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he's their best player. I think he might be their best player, even if they will go out and get one of these guys. You know, Certainly Grandal, he's better than him. And I, I, yeah. I question that fit a little bit, depending on how much you're going to pay. Um, but, yeah, you, you team him up with a, a Lindor how about that left side of the infield or uh, a Rendon? I mean, that would be, that'd be a lot of fun. So uh, as as I, you Henry Suarez, I'm just, I'm still stunned that he's as good as he is. And I'm bummed uh, to be quite honest that I didn't get to watch him more. Cause I only got to watch a couple of the, their games and listen to a couple of their games this year, obviously being in Cleveland. So it, uh, it good for him though. I mean, he's uh he's a stud and uh, the Reds need that. And they're moving in the right direction and I hope they can find the, the right push the right buttons this off season to become much more than just uh you know just a 500 team and, and be much more than that and be in the playoffs this time next year
0: absolutely and and Dick Williams doubled down on that move for trading Simon for him and then signs him to a 7 year deal i mean he he is under contract and there's even a team option for 2025 but he's he's under contract for like 5 6 more years and he's very it's cost crazy. effective very cost-effective. And,
1: so. and and that is that is the blueprint, though.
0: Right. Like, we talk about
1: the Reds going out and getting these guys, these established stars, and that's great. But if you're going to succeed in a mid-market, you know, and, and Cleveland, they've done it, and they've had more success than the Reds doing this. They did it with Jose Ramirez. You pay them early, and then you get a bargain. You identify the talent. Hey, he's got it. He's getting paid. He's got it. He's getting paid. And then, like Suarez, heck, I'm looking at a – I'm in my office right now. I'm looking at a Eugenio Suarez, two different bobbleheads of his <laughs> from a couple of years ago, long before, by the way, he was as good as he is now. Right. Um, but but the, uh, the, the thing is, is if you do that, then it gives you the flexibility to go out and pay a, a player or two. In the majority of the world, they don't hold you down. The contracts don't hold you back. So I think that's the key. And you hope that Dick Williams seeing that success with Suarez. He sees that, and he's uh, he's able to keep that going. Because I think that's, that's really the key to unlocking the Reds' potential or any mid-market, uh, their potential as an organization, by paying guys early, not waiting till their, their final year, you know, where Trevor Bauer is right now, uh, where Francisco Lindor is going to be in a couple years. It's tough to pay him then. If you pay him early, and the uh, Indians, by the way, tried to lock up Lindor. He was... He was too smart for that. He's like, no, no, I'm going to get (laughs) paid. So, uh, so yeah. So I I think that's uh, that's certainly the key to success in in today's baseball
0: in this day and age. Four out of six of his seasons have been above average, according to the OPS plus stat. In fact, the last two years he's been over 130. In 2018, he was 136, and in 2019, 134. Just Suarez is. Phenomenal! I'm so glad he's locked up. Well, James, man, I appreciate your time, dude. And uh, real quick before we go, just a, a quick plug. I know the Cavs started their season in not the best of ways last night, but uh, how do you look at them going forward as the only professional basketball team in the state of Ohio?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're rebuilding. It's going to be tough. I really like John Beeline as a coach. Um, I think Darius Garland. He's a baby. I mean, he's 19 years old, but he's he's a stud. I mean, he's got a ton of talent. So it's just it's going to be going to be painful. You know, it's going to be painful if you're a Cavs fan to to watch this year, especially where they were just a couple of years ago, battling in the finals year in and year out. Um, but I, I will say this: just from and I started covering the team in December, last December, to now with, with John Belon and with the hires they've made the culture feels much different. And I was talking about the blueprint of, of winning in a, uh, a mid market, the blueprint in the NBA of winning in a mid market is having a great culture, great coaching and, and winning, despite not having the top stars because you're very rarely going to have those. And I think that starts with culture, the San Antonios of the world, obviously they ran into Duncan, but and that led to titles, but they're a great culture regardless they're a great culture before and after the Pacers. Uh, I think they have that. So, There are teams that have it, the Raptors, even post-Kawhi have that. Um, So so I think that that's what the Cavaliers are working on now more than anything. And there'll be a couple more lottery picks. There'll be a lottery pick that joins them next year and, uh, and they'll continue to develop this thing. I think they're going to get it turned around and John Beeline's the guy, just going to take a little time as they uh, accumulate talent and start to trade off some of these veterans who are free agents at the end of the year.
0: Well, James, I appreciate it, man. And, um, I mean, hey, it's easy to watch the Cavs are on the same channel as the Reds are, so there you go. But yep. uh, thanks North
1: for. Ohio, no doubt. Exactly.
0: <laughs> thanks for coming on the show, dude, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All
1: right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.